Hey, it's Sam Roberts. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Not Sam Wrestling. Before we start the show, I just wanted to tell you about some ways you could support the show, and you can do it absolutely for free, first of all, by leaving a five-star rating on Spotify for Not Sam Wrestling. Leave a five-star rating on Apple as well as leaving a review. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel for free at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. And of course, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and that it's downloading and you're listening every single week and visit all of our sponsors. If you don't want to hear about our sponsors, you can get the show ad-free every single week at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Become a Not Sam shill and you'll not only get the show ad-free and early every week, but you'll get a bonus episode. You'll get access to video of all of the podcasts that we do. You can watch me record it live. You'll get access to the Discord room. Everything you could possibly want at patreon.com slash wrestling. Thanks a lot. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, everything that went down at WrestleMania Backlash. What are these new rules for Money in the Bank? Do we have to brace ourselves for life without Roman Reigns? This is Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, man. For those of you that listen to the show, the minute it comes out, and by the way, those are the ones that I appreciate the most. Here's the order of of listeners uh, that I appreciate from most to least. The most is the Not Sam Shills on Patreon. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you are God-level Not Sam Wrestling listener. The Shills are God-level, okay? But right under that are the people that listen to the show the minute it comes out. 5 a.m. Eastern, Monday morning. They're on that podcast app. They're, they're, They're streaming. They're downloading. However you listen. You're listening as soon as the show comes out. Then there's the people that listen later on in the day on Monday. Then there's the people that listen faithfully every week. Then there's the people that just make sure they listen to every episode. Then there's the people that listen to episodes here and there. And then there are the people who don't listen to any episodes, but they have left a rating and a review on either Apple Music or Spotify. Those are the levels of people in in which I appreciate that listen to the show. And if you're on that list at all, I appreciate you. But to the God level and just under tears, the people who jump on this podcast the minute it comes out, I do have to apologize. We're a little late in getting the show out uh, this week. Uh, Only a few hours, but still a little late in getting the show out, and that's because uh, it's been real busy, man. It's been real, real busy here in Not Sam World. So busy, in fact, that I've barely gotten a chance to crack the can open on this Cody Rhodes, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Broken Skull session. Now, I got to be honest. Cody Rhodes has now officially, it's official, done every wrestling podcast and show on the planet, except for Not Sam Wrestling. That's what people don't realize. Every wrestling interviewer of note within the WWE or outside of the WWE has now interviewed Cody Rhodes since he came back at WrestleMania, except Sam Roberts. Somehow, in the month that Cody Rhodes has been back, he has been interviewed by every wrestling podcast in the world, except the one 
podcast that gave him his best interview when he was in WWE and his best interview after he left WWE, and that's not Sam Wrestling. Hey, it'll come. We'll have our conversation, and I think in Cody's heart of hearts, he knows. I mean, maybe uh, what could possibly be better than sitting down with Stone Cold Steve Austin? Trust me, I know, but beyond Stone Cold Steve Austin, I think if you ask Cody, he knows. When the Sam Roberts conversation does happen, it will, of course, be the best Cody Rhodes conversation. And I'll tell you this. I'm five minutes into the Cody Rhodes and Steve Austin Broken Skull Sessions. I'm going to watch the whole thing. I haven't watched every Cody interview that he's done. But I don't miss a Broken Skull Sessions show. There are some real gems on here. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin is just a wrestling conversationalist, the likes of which we have never seen. The Bubba Ray Dudley episode is phenomenal. Going back, the Bret Hart episode is amazing. The Mick Foley episode, amazing. The Undertaker episodes, amazing. If you go back into the archives of the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, there might even be a little Sam Roberts sit-down conversation with Stone Cold Steve Austin. That conversation, by the way, amazing. But I do have to make a promise to you right now. The next time that Stone Cold Steve Austin does this show, the next time Stone Cold Steve Austin is on Not Sam Wrestling or Jim and Sam or any Not Sam property, any Sam Roberts property, you better believe I'm going to be talking to the Texas Rattlesnake about watches. I didn't know that he was so into watches. He started talking to Cody about the Rolex Submariner on Cody's wrist right away, and I'm new into the watch world, but I am in. And I can't wait to talk to, to Stone Cold Steve Austin about that. Cody told an amazing story already in the first five minutes about uh, the Rolex that he wears and the Rolex that he was supposed to get to his from his dad and why he didn't. And it's a very touching story, but already in five minutes, I'm entertained and I, uh, I can't wait to watch the rest of it. I think it's going to be really, really, really fascinating. Uh, we've got some Cody Rhodes stuff to talk about here on the show today, for sure. We're going to be uh, going through WrestleMania backlash. Now, that's the reason, one of the reasons, why the podcast wasn't dropped this morning and instead is coming out this evening. We did make it on before Raw. But the reason that it didn't drop this morning was because uh, it was a busy weekend, man. It was a very, very busy weekend. What with uh, Mother's Day, my dad's birthday, and then on the professional end of things, I bookended the weekend for everybody. I don't know if you guys checked it out, but Saturday, if you haven't checked it out yet, I would recommend checking it out. I had a lot of fun. It went up Saturday at noon on Peacock. Uh, The WWE did something they've never done before. They left the keys open to Sam Roberts and Peter Rosenberg. Peter and I were brought into the WWE at the same time uh, as two broadcasters that could deliver an outsider's point of view. Both of us were brought in. Michael Cole made two phone calls, one to me, one to Peter. And he said, we want to bring in some outsiders on some of these pre-shows. We just want to see how it works. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. And he basically promised both of us one pre-show each. And here's the thing about me and pretty Peter Rosenberg. You give either one of us an inch, we're taking a mile, okay? You give me an opportunity, you give Peter Rosenberg an opportunity. You better be damn well sure that that opportunity is going to be executed upon to the fullest possible extent. And that's what happened. So however many, I don't know, something like five years later, four or five years later, here we are, and both of us realized that he and I have never actually done any sort of panel work together. The only time we've been on the same pre-show is when 
it's usually Peter at the panel desk and then JBL and myself or Booker T and myself somewhere in the arena outside. But uh, Peter and I never actually interact. We've never interacted on camera together on a WWE show. So I got this phone call and he go, uh, and Michael Cole, he says, uh, hey, man, are you around on this day to host Talking Smack? It'll be you and Rosenberg. I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. That's going to be a blast. I mean, it's just so poetic that two guys were brought in from the outside to just give their point of view. And now Talking Smack is completely left in our hands only. We get to bring on Booker T to be a guest on with us. It was a lot of fun um, to have Rosenberg uh, and me host that show, The Mega Powers of Podcasting and Broadcasting Coming Together. We did the handshake and everything. Uh, so check that out if you haven't checked it out. So that was uh, Friday night going into Saturday. Then Sunday... Of course, I'm not going to record the podcast before the pay-per-view because then the podcast drops after the pay-per-view and I go, I wonder what's going to happen at this pay-per-view. It doesn't make any sense. So instead, I go, okay, I'll do it after the pay-per-view. But after the pay-per-view, I was occupied. And if you want to get a load of this, all you have to do is go on Twitter. It's for free. Uh, WWE on Twitter spaces. If you go to the WWE account, or I think you can find it on my account. I don't know. If you just search uh, WWE WrestleMania Backlash Twitter spaces or whatever on Twitter, it's basically a live audio show. It's a radio show. It's a podcast that's live uh, that comes on right after the pay-per-views. We've done it last four pay-per-views or something like that. We did it after both WrestleManias. Um, and then I think we did it after like the two pay-per-views before WrestleMania, maybe three. I don't know. Uh, but it's me and Ryan Popola, and this time Wade Barrett had joined us again. And it was a blast. It was a riot. Uh, so much fun. Just basically immediately after the pay-per-view, getting to break everything down live uh, with the uh, bad news Barrett himself. Uh, that was a blast. So check that out. If you haven't checked it out, it's on Twitter spaces. You'll be able to find it. Um, and we'll get into my thoughts on backlash, especially now that I've had some time to process it and think about where things might be going, why certain things happened and whether I liked or didn't like other things. But I wanted to start with kind of the big news that broke over the weekend. It broke on Saturday night, uh, at Saturday night's main event, WWE has renamed uh, all the Saturday and Sunday live events. Instead of just calling them live events, it's uh, Saturday night's main event and Sunday, I don't know, Sunday something or other. Sunday night heat is what it should be called. Uh, but at uh, Saturday night's main event this week in Trenton, New Jersey, Roman Reigns has been taking the mic after the shows, after the live events, and doing a promo for the crowd that's kind of uh, out of character. And when I say out of character, I mean it's not super healy, it's not acknowledge me guy, it's appreciative guy, appreciative of the fans. But it's not totally out of character, meaning he's still the Michael Jordan of this shit. He's still God mode Roman Reigns. He's still the unstoppable, unholy beast. He just happens to be showing his appreciation for the audience that's there to see him. Uh, and he said to fans in Trenton on Saturday, I've been around for a minute. Me and The Shield, we started in 2012, and we've been running this business for almost a decade. So uh, it's been very fortunate, buddy. And that's true. I mean, when you think about it, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, three of the top names throughout the industry, regardless of promotion. We were in Uniondale last night, and now we made our trail back here and now we head to Providence in five for five hours. Man, I can't tell you that, man, I can't tell you that this can be a grueling schedule. 
I don't know if he said it that way or if that's a typo. Everybody back there, they bust their butts to do what we do. But we wouldn't be able to do it without you. He's talking to the audience, obviously. You give us the energy to allow us to kick out every single night, to put our bodies through this struggle, and to do this thing. I think it goes without saying the WWE Universe is the best fan base in the world of entertainment. Agreed, Roman, because I'm part of it. Um, he said, I've been here many times for the last 10 years and now, and I'm starting to work in a new phase of my career. And I honestly don't know if I'll ever be back here again. But hey, if that's the case, I want to say thank you for all these years, for all the support, and for y'all uh, showing up to see us do what we do. We appreciate y'all, and we want y'all to get home safely. Thank you, and have a good night. Whoa! Uh, I'm starting to work in a new phase of my career, and I honestly don't know if I'll ever be back here again. Say what? Roman, what are you saying? Well, that's been the topic of conversation ever since he dropped this, ever since he said it. What does he mean? What could he mean? Look, I'll say this. I don't think that we're done with Roman Reigns. I don't think that this is Roman hinting at a retirement. I think that it's very possible that he's going to have an abridged schedule. You know, I think that while Roman doesn't work on TV every week, you know, he's on television almost every week, but he's do he usually doesn't have matches on television. He has matches at all of the live events. For the most part, he's main eventing all of these live events. And it's interesting, WWE just dropped, uh, I think on Friday of this week, they're going to put like 30 different live events or 33 different live events on sale throughout the summer. And I think they're going back to splitting up the Raw and SmackDown rosters to doing like two Saturday and two Sunday shows, an A-Town and a B-Town, whatever it is, uh, every week. So they're definitely not planning on Roman Reigns being on all those shows because it's not physically possible. Uh, but I, I hope that this means that while, yes, he won't be doing live events anymore, I don't want to see Roman as a part-timer. And I don't think now is the time to see Roman as a part-timer. I think that, that The Rock has kind of changed the game on what wrestling can be. And I think that now, especially after John Cena, it almost became a model that you follow. Well, you can go do movies. You can go do this. You can go do that. And it's like, maybe. Maybe. And if you can, maybe you'll love that, right? Maybe that'll be great. But I, I, I just... <sighs> I feel like Roman is still in this moment. And there are still, and coming off of the pay-per-view, and like I said, we'll talk about the pay-per-view. There are still people that will tell you, you know, huh, Roman winning every week, that's boring. It's not boring. Nobody is tuning out because of it. People are tuning in because of it. Like, Roman and the story that's being told right now is as good a character study, as good a character story as has been told, in my opinion, in the WWE. Um, and I think that Roman is legitimately, he's like at this point where his character is talking about being in God mode and his character is talking about being the best and his character is talking about being the Michael Jordan, the Wayne Gretzky, the whatever, Alex Rodriguez. I don't know if he really belongs in that conversation, but you see where I'm going. 
of the WWE. And I just, I, I, I hope that Roman isn't trying to get to that finish line too quickly. You know, I, I, I think that in life, sometimes it's okay to do what we do really, really well for as long as humanly possible, especially when we're growing and and developing and new stuff is coming from it. Now, I get not wanting to work all the live events. I get not wanting to work, you know, four times a week, every week, 100%. I'm with you. You got you to gotta try to lengthen your career. You got to treat your body right. You got to do all this stuff. But what I'm not sure about is this thought of like, okay, you know, I spent a couple years on top. Now it's time to go do movies and then I'll be back in like six months. And, do, you know, when you think about it, the John Cena schedule, which might be what Roman is looking for. John Cena did that at a time where I think, I don't know if the WWE fan base was telling him that it was time, but I think WWE was telling him that it was time. You know, when you look at John Cena, he had this amazing build. It kind of started at WrestleMania 20 with the United States title win. And then it goes to WrestleMania 21 with his first world title win, beating JBL. And and then he goes on a run like nobody's gone on. 22, 23, 24, 24. And he's going and he's going and he's going. And we get to 27, right? We start at 21. We get to 27. 27 is where he loses to The Miz because of The Rock's interference. And it's like, ugh. 28, he goes to WrestleMania main event. He has his match with The Rock. He loses to The Rock. 29, he goes to WrestleMania. He has his match with The Rock. He beats The Rock. He gets his victory back. John Cena is the man. The Rock puts his hand in the air, and that's it. John Cena is the guy. That was John Cena's last WrestleMania main event. WrestleMania 30, it was Bray Wyatt in the middle of the show. WrestleMania 31, it was Rusev in the middle of the show. WrestleMania, and you know, and it goes on and on. That was the last time that John Cena main evented WrestleMania. You know, going forward, and and you go, well, who did, right? Who did? Well, WrestleMania 30, it was Daniel Bryan, but WrestleMania 31 was Roman Reigns. WrestleMania 32 was Roman Reigns. WrestleMania 33 was Roman Reigns. You know, you start you start going like, oh, this is where we're going. You know, the WWE kind of made it clear that it was time to start building Roman Reigns. And that's when John Cena said, okay, it's time for me to bow out. See, my thing is that there is nobody on the horizon right now that is doing what Roman Reigns has done. And quite frankly, I think that it is taken probably from about WrestleMania 31. Because at WrestleMania 30, like leading up and... At WrestleMania 30, when Roman was in the Shield, Roman was the most popular member of the Shield. And I people will remember it differently, but Roman, for a period of time, was absolutely the most popular person in the shield. Roman was was popular. You know, before Roman got the the year before Roman got booed out of Philadelphia for winning the Royal Rumble, people wanted him to win the Royal Rumble the year before. 
when it was just down to, I think it was him and Batista as the final two. People wanted Roman to win that Royal Rumble. Oh, am I embarrassed to talk to you about this? And that's why you know it's true when I say sorry for the interruption. But we should be able to talk about this, you know? It's about your comfort, after all. For for those of you guys, you know, we got external, well, genitals. The genitals that we have are external. And sometimes I feel like our underpants are not built for it. And I wish that there was somebody with some kind of military background that had some kind of expertise in science that could put some underpants together that could handle everything that is dangling grossly between our legs. And that guess what happened? Sheath came out. So this, this U.S. Army soldier, Robert Patton, came up with this idea for a sheath. Now, I think Robert Patton is far more than just a soldier. I think that this is like some Area 51 stuff. But basically, you're talking about the most comfortable underpants that you've ever worn. And there's two pockets in it. In the front. For the penis and balls. That's what the pockets are for. That's where you can place everything. It's like a sports bra, except for... Your 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 wiener and your balls. That's what it's for. It's an amazing invention. Weird, but an amazing invention. One of those things that once you put on, you'll realize, oh, I wish this always existed. And I say it's like a sports bra for your for your genitals, for your dick and balls, you know? But guess what? Sheath has also figured out how they can apply their science, their mad, mad science, to women. They've created sports bras as well. You can check it all out for yourself at Sheath. I said, I think I think, I think it's at Self because I'm thinking about Sheath. Sheathunderwear.com. That's Sheathunderwear.com. And if you go there and you order with promo code NOTSAM, you're going to get 20% off your first order and Sheath's 100% money back guarantee. That's Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code NOTSAM. Get Sheath Underwear. They support us. Let them support your balls. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And then it didn't quite work coming into 31. It didn't quite work coming into 32. And so on and so forth. Up until up until 34. You know, because what was it? It was 31. It was Roman and Brock with Seth coming in. Seth, you know, that they saved that. But the reason they saved that is because, you know, people weren't ready to see Roman beat Brock Lesnar. And at 32, people didn't want to see, people at, for a second wanted to see Triple H versus Roman Reigns. 
But I think by the time WrestleMania 32 showed up, it had been so clearly forecasted. Like you had to be a blind meteorologist not to see what was happening. That people were like, okay, I'm not excited about it. WrestleMania 33 is The Undertaker and Roman Reigns. The match wasn't great, and people didn't want to see Roman Reigns beat The Undertaker. They just didn't. And at 34, they didn't want Roman and Brock to be the main event, right? So 32, 33, 34, you got three main events that just didn't work out for Roman Reigns. And that's tough, man. 35 is where Roman starts to starts to build back, right? 35 is where, when Roman went away, when Roman got sick and Roman went away, that was the first time people started realizing, wait a minute, he wasn't ready at 31. He wasn't ready at 32. I don't even think he was really ready at 33. He was getting there at 33. By 34, he was ready. But we had all convinced ourselves that we boo Roman Reigns so much that we booed Roman Reigns. So post-WrestleMania 34, when Roman said, you know, my leukemia started up again, I have to leave. I've been in remission. People not only felt that real story and felt this guy dealing with real life in an incredibly serious way, but absence makes the heart grow fonder. And people realized, I think while that promo was being cut, I think in that moment, people realized what a big star Roman Reigns had become while we were kicking and screaming the whole way. And when Roman came back at 35 and he had that match with Drew McIntyre and it was just like his welcome back, people were like, okay, here we go. Let's do it. WrestleMania 36, Roman uh, left again. Who knows what would have happened? going into WrestleMania 36 and uh, Roman and Goldberg. It wasn't the greatest, you know, scenario because everybody was pissed that Goldberg had beaten The Fiend anyway. So Roman Roman was not in a great scenario. Many times Roman was not in a great scenario. You know, the match with The Undertaker at 33. Not, I mean, yeah, 33, not a great scenario for Roman. 32, because it was so predictable with Triple H, not a great scenario for Roman. 34, you know, I, I don't know if it was, the it was everything. WrestleMania 36 wouldn't have been a good scenario for Roman Reigns because people didn't want Goldberg to be the defending champion. So it wouldn't matter if, if who knows, maybe they would have been so happy that Goldberg lost that Roman Reigns would have gotten an ovation, but nobody was in the audience anyway. Roman wasn't there. And that's when Roman comes back at SummerSlam of that year during the pandemic and interferes in the Fiend Bray Wyatt match and a week later goes to that other weird pay-per-view and becomes the champion and changes wrestling. Wrestling change. I mean, first, when Roman came back and interfered and was heelish in that triple threat. I mean, it wasn't a triple threat yet, but you know what I mean. When he interfered in the match and he was heelish, it was like, oh, this is interesting. Five days later at SmackDown, when Paul Heyman was by his side, everything changed. And when Roman won that title oh, two days after that, and this whole thing started, that's when it was like, okay, here we go. And that's when Roman found himself. 
And he had his first moment in front of fans at WrestleMania 37, stacking up Edge and Daniel Bryan. And coming out of the pandemic ever since then, it's just been growing and growing and growing. Roman has finally found himself. Roman has finally gotten to where he was always intended to be. And I'm not tired of it. And I think while some people say they're tired of it, I don't think the Gen Pop is tired of it. I don't think people are over Roman Reigns. I don't think people are even, there's even a danger of people being over Roman Reigns. You know, I think there's always gonna be some people that regardless of what happens, because as Roman Reigns has been beating everybody, stories have been told throughout the entire time. And some stories have been better than others, you know? The Kevin Owens story was a little bit clunky. The Cesaro story was quick. The Jey Uso story was incredible. Bringing the Usos into the bloodline was amazing. The Edge story was interesting. The triple threat and how it ended, great. The John Cena story, great. The Brock Lesnar story was the stuff of legends going into WrestleMania 39 or 38. And I think that, that as Roman Reigns is finally, finally finding his footing in the spot that he's in, I, I just want him to have it. And I want him to be able to get bigger and bigger and bigger. If Roman is doing less dates on his new contract, that's fine by me. But I hope for Roman's sake that he's not planning on doing one of these things where he's only around for half the year or he's only around in spurts or he's only around quarterly. I don't think Roman should be on a John Cena schedule. I don't think Roman should be on a Brock schedule. Because if he is then I don't think he will allow himself to have had enough time in his legacy as the guy. I think Roman should be on television every week. I think Roman should be competing at every pay-per-view. That's the role that I think Roman should be in right now. And building and building and building and telling that story and telling that story and telling that story. And a lot of people, you know, I was shocked. There were quote-unquote uh, wrestling experts that thought that the finish of the match at WrestleMania Backlash should have been Drew McIntyre pinning Roman Reigns in order to build to a Drew McIntyre-Roman Reigns match. And I get that by conventional thinking, right? And I get that by you're saying, well, now he's beatable. Now, Roman's whole gimmick is that he isn't beatable. Nobody's pinned Roman. It doesn't matter. Roman's the one character that even if he gets pinned in a tag match, time stops and the entire character changes. Once Roman gets beat, everything is different. Even if the title's not on the line, even if it's in a tag match, everything is different. And you have to make sure, because yes, if that were to happen, it would create incredible intrigue for the Drew McIntyre match. Sure. Is it worth creating? Is, is that why Roman got all those victories? Has Roman gone through every person that a superstar could go through so that we can hype up the Drew McIntyre-Roman Reigns match. If it is, then yeah, he should have pinned Roman Reigns. But I don't think that, that, was, that that's what we're doing. I don't think 
that this rivalry is the one we're cashing our chips in on just yet. When Roman takes that first pin, it's going to be exceptionally meaningful. And I don't think this is the rivalry for it. Number one, I don't think it's going to take that to get people excited about Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. And number two, I don't think Drew McIntyre is that guy right now. You know? I mean, if if you're just going to Roman Reigns beats Drew McIntyre anyway, this isn't the moment that Roman loses that first fall. It's not the time. I don't think. You know, I, I, I think when Roman loses that first fall, it, it's everything. It's the whole thing. And by the way, when Roman loses, he probably should go away for a while. But I don't think he should lose anytime soon. I don't know who he would lose to. I mean, when you think about it, the match at Backlash, and I guess we'll, we'll go over Backlash. I mean, so you have to realize that, that WWE is about to launch into a summer, the likes of which we have never seen. So maybe the most notable non-wrestling thing that happened at Backlash, uh, WrestleMania Backlash over the weekend was the promo that aired for Money in the Bank. And it's about a minute and a half long and it's up on WWE's YouTube channel if you want to watch it. And it's basically, it's Cody Rhodes. He's in the Las Vegas stadium and he's just, you know, doing a promo about how Money in the Bank is coming to this stadium. And I said on this podcast that we have to give credence to the fact that these shows are happening in stadiums, that it's going to make it a much bigger show. Money in the Bank just entered into rare air in 2022. If they're putting it in a stadium, it's becoming a bigger show. It's becoming one of the one of the centerpieces of the WWE's offerings. What I didn't realize is what WWE would be doing to make it bigger. Because Cody Rhodes advertised, and you know what? Maybe we'll play the audio here. Just so there's no confusion, confusion. So there's no paraphrasing. And I would have played the audio, by the way, of Mike. Ty of uh, I'm sorry, I just looked at something on YouTube. Of uh, I guess Mike Tyson was on Bill Maher's show, and the uh, thumbnail just came up. Um, I uh, would have played the audio of Roman Reigns doing his promo at the house show, the live event, but the audio was no good. So I figured I would just read it. So uh, Cody Rhodes. Did this uh, promo. Yeah, listen to this. Uh. Allegiance, there is no better place to do so than here at Allegiance Stadium. The home of last year's SummerSlam. The NFL's Las Vegas Raiders. Right, right, right. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks rules. And now, money in the bank. Gotta get that money, 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 money. I don't know what that song is. That could cause a career breakthrough. Right. Where one lucky male and female superstar will win the chance to main event WrestleMania. Boom. Right there. And listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'll leave the context there. America. That's it. We'll win the opportunity 
one male superstar and one female superstar will win the chance to main event WrestleMania. Not to potentially main event WrestleMania, not to have the choice to main event WrestleMania, but to main event WrestleMania. Meaning that apparently, based on this promo, that the for the first time, the Money in the Bank briefcase is not going to be something that's going to be at play throughout the year. Now, this throws a huge monkey wrench into my whole scenario. My entire scenario was that I figured Cody Rhodes would win the Money in the Bank briefcase. I still figure that Cody Rhodes will win the Money in the Bank briefcase. You know, I, I, I think the idea of Cody having that, and we realize he's not going to win the WWE Championship potentially until WrestleMania is very compelling. Um, but in my head, I go, okay, here's the move. I think at some point, you got to get a world title back on Raw, right? You got to get the WWE Championship. You leave the universal title on Roman Reigns because that's the title with his number on it, 700, 800 days, however long it's been. You can get the WWE title off him without disrupting that reign uh, by having him defend the WWE title in a match at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view and then having somebody, Cody, go and cash in. Let's say it's uh, uh, Roman versus Seth for the WWE championship. Cody cashes in, pins Seth. Roman doesn't take a pin. Cody's the WWE champion. I thought something like that would happen to get the WWE title back on Raw and to get it in play in a way that, you know, we could have two champions on two shows with two stories again. I don't know how this works unless you do a, unless you just do a triple threat match and have Roman lose one of the titles that way. Because theoretically, and there's a lot of questions about this, and maybe they get answered on Raw. Maybe they don't, because keep in mind, we've got another pay-per-view before Money in the Bank. We've got Hell in a Cell. So this, this promo was really about selling tickets to the show in Las Vegas. So I don't know if we'll get a final word on, on what these new rules to Money in the Bank are this week. Certainly. I don't know when we'll get the the the, the rules, but I think that you'll now have the money in the bank winner getting the opportunity for one champion at WrestleMania. And I would hope that the Royal Rumble winner gets the opportunity at the other champion at WrestleMania. You know, they say main event, but they throw around the word main event a lot, right? Charlotte and Ronda Rousey was advertised as the main event of WrestleMania night one, WrestleMania Saturday this year. And clearly, you know, Austin and, and Owens went on last. But I think that that that, that that's the way that I, I read into it, that whoever wins these briefcases will be guaranteed a title match at WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble winner will get the other one. Uh, I don't know where that leaves us for Elimination Chamber. Maybe the titles are defended at Elimination Chamber. But, um, yeah. Now, I think, in my mind, I think the Money in the Bank briefcase, the symbol of the briefcase itself, is still uh, important. So I don't think that the Money in the Bank briefcase holder announces who they'll be facing when they win the briefcase. I think they announced that after the Royal Rumble. 
I think that the Royal Rumble winner has to wait for the Money in the Bank briefcase winner to declare to then find out who they will challenge for the championship at WrestleMania. That's how I would do it personally. It's very interesting that we find out in July. It's risky, too. We find out July whatever, 1st, 2nd, July 3rd. July 3rd, we're going to find out who is challenging for a championship at WrestleMania. Unless there's chicanery, which I hope there is not. If we're setting a new precedent and creating a new tradition, then I hope we don't create it under the pretenses of chicanery. Because I do not like chicanery. I like, you know, straight down the middle. But it does make things interesting, you know? It does make it so that that's no longer a conversation piece. And look, I don't hate it. And I'll tell you why I don't hate it. I loved Money in the Bank originally. I loved the Money in the Bank that CM Punk won. I loved the Money in the Bank that Edge won. I loved that. The Money in the Bank that Rob Van Dam won. You know, I loved the Money in the Bank when... It was a prize for somebody that normally you would think, I'm not sure how they get to a world championship. But once they get that briefcase, you go, oh my God, this person is going to not only get a title match, but they're probably going to win the championship. And that's the way it was for a period of time. I think once, even Dolph Ziggler, right? Dolph Ziggler cashing in. Amazing. But... To me, the eventful cash-in started to slow down. You know, I think uh, once Damian Sandow failed his cash-in and Baron Corbin failed his cash-in, the Money in the Bank briefcase was hurt tremendously. Uh, when Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar and guys like that started, and John Cena started winning the briefcase, guys that you don't need the briefcase to get a title shot, that started hurting the briefcase quite a bit. So I had definitely, like, Daniel Bryan winning the briefcase was perfect. 2011. The best Money in the Bank pay-per-view by a mile. So, because it had John Cena versus CM Punk as the main event, as well as the Daniel Bryan Money in the Bank ladder match. So I think that that if the Money in the Bank briefcase were still used like it were originally used with CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Edge, Rob Van Dam, then yeah, I'd be like, don't lose that. I don't want that lost. And even like, think about how it was used most recently. The Miz cashing in and winning the world title. It was awesome for a week. Then the Miz lost it. Big E cashing in and winning the world title. It was incredible for a month. And then Big E lost it. And it's like, okay, well, you know, if we're not going to do it for real, then I'm okay with, with making it an even bigger deal and finding out in July who's going to WrestleMania. And it's interesting because the, the WWE season and the, the, the meat is getting a lot longer, right? There's a certain type of wrestling fan that is the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania fan, that that's the real hot, hot season that you start watching at the Royal Rumble and you stop watching at WrestleMania, and that's what they watch every year. And that's a thing, right? WWE, their new business plan, and it's very, very obvious if you look at what's going on, is to take what they've got from January to March every year and repeat it and do more of it, right? 
Because if you look right now, we've got, you know, two, three months where it's like, okay, we're going business as usual. You know, you got backlash in an arena, WrestleMania backlash in an arena. Then we're going to Hell in a Cell in an arena and it's business as usual. We're doing TV, pay-per-view, live event, TV, pay-per-view, live event, all good. I'm sorry, premium live event, PLE, not PPV. But starting July 1st, it gets very interesting. July 1st, Money in the Bank, stadium show, winner goes to WrestleMania now, July 1st, July 3rd, whatever, first weekend in July. End of the month, last weekend in July, we're already at SummerSlam in a stadium in Nashville. So we got stadium in for Money in the Bank beginning of July, stadium for SummerSlam at the end of July. Then we go to the next pay-per-view, which is the first weekend in September. So you got August. You know what I mean? It sounds like it's too much, but it's one month. You take you, you do TV in August, and then September, we're going all the way to Cardiff. And we're doing a stadium in Wales, in Cardiff, in the UK. And that's going to be a huge show. Potentially, that's where we could see Tyson Fury versus Drew McIntyre. In October, there's rumors that that may be the next Saudi show. And those Saudi shows keep getting bigger and bigger. And the Saudi shows keep getting more and more important with each show to the day-to-day storyline of the WWE. So the October show is going to be a huge stadium pay-per-view. We're going to go to November and Survivor Series. And then coming off of Survivor Series, we're already at day one and then Royal Rumble. So, dude, take a breath now. Because last year, instead of WrestleMania season starting at Royal Rumble, WrestleMania season started at day one. No doubt about it. WrestleMania season started January 1st instead of the end of January. It feels like WWE is trying to start WrestleMania season July 1st. And if I know WWE like I think I know WWE, they're trying to make this thing enormous. I wouldn't be surprised if within a year or two, WWE is trying to run at the level where everything is WrestleMania size. Where WrestleMania size as we know it now is the standard for WWE premium live events. And I don't know where they'll put WrestleMania. I mean... Maybe it's like WrestleMania does 100,000 people in Jerry's world and the other premium live events are doing 60 or 70,000 people, you know, and that's the difference. I don't know how they make WrestleMania even bigger. But if you look, if you pay attention to what's going on, I just think things get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think all signs point to it, including what we see with Cody Rhodes jumping on the promo and announcing low-key that Money in the Bank briefcases now mean WrestleMania main events. Unbelievable. Let's get into WrestleMania backlash. Uh, As far as the pay-per-view goes, uh, what were my thoughts on WrestleMania backlash? Well, I thought in-ring wrestling match-wise, tremendous. Uh, I thought, let's see, out of one, two, three, four, five, out of six matches, at least three were excellent. And all of them, maybe four, were at least four were very good. 
And all of them had stuff in it that impressed me and that I thought was impactful. Um, with Cody and Seth, I just thought, you know, I, I felt like the last month has been Cody's welcome home tour, right? And these two matches with Seth have been the big, you know, and he's had a couple matches on Raw as well. But these have been, this has been the, the welcome home tour, great matches, great story, clear baby face, clear heel. And now, now we get down to business. Starting tonight on Raw is where I think we get down to business. What is the mission statement behind Cody Rhodes? Who is this character? Why is he here? What are his goals? And how is he getting to that WWE championship? We made it very, very clear. First night, first Monday Night Raw back, second night back in WWE, he's here for the WWE championship. When he went on Broken Skull Ranch, Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin, he was wearing a Rolex Submariner. And he said that his dad, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. And actually, that impression was dead on if I do say so myself. He said that his dad told him he couldn't wear a Rolex because you can't wear a Rolex until you've been the world champion. Now, he's already wearing a Rolex. He says that, you know, he's his own man. However, I think the reason he's wearing a Rolex all plays into his character because he's the uncrowned champion, because he's back in the WWE to be the WWE champion. Now, I don't think he's going to win that title before WrestleMania. I think that, that's what the Money in the Bank briefcase is all about this year. And who knows? Maybe the reason the Money in the Bank briefcase is for WrestleMania main event, maybe that was part of Cody's conversation with Vince. Maybe that's part of what drew him back to WWE to begin with. Because I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now, and this might upset some people, but in the last 30 days today, Cody Rhodes is a far bigger star than he's ever been, ever been. That includes his WWE time, but that includes what he's been doing, what he did on the indies. That includes AEW. That includes everything. Cody Rhodes today is by a mile the biggest star that he's ever been. And there ain't no way, there ain't no way that Cody is this big a star or is presented this well in AEW. He never was. He never was. You know, I mean, when it's kind of up to you, when you have that freedom to leave it up to you, that's a good thing. But you can never put yourself on a pedestal that's as high as the pedestal that somebody else can put you on. And in wrestling, nobody can put you on a higher pedestal than Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And that's what's happening with Cody Rhodes right now. Uh, Lashley and, and Amos, uh, look, I th first of all, like I was blown away by Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is so goddamn impressive. Uh, I, I think he's so underrated. Lashley was so good in this match. Um, you know, he lost, I think it was his first time in like seven months or something like that. Like he, he has, he has not lost a lot of matches and he did lose to Amos, uh, or Amos Edward James, almost he, uh, 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 you know, the, and the story here is MVP, right? The story is that, that MVP makes all the difference. I think that the thing with Amos is that when he's used at his strength, he is as marketable an attraction as you can possibly have, but you've got to use him in his strength. Um, uh, he is a, an incredible specimen when he's on the defense. Not great on the offense yet. You know, he is not some, the match, there's only so much that one party can do. He is not, he's not that, he's, he, he does he, selling. 
selling is, is tough right now. Selling is tough. Bobby was doing a lot, man, and he was showing how good he is. But I think uh, I think when almost is beating somebody down, he's incredible. When he's walking in the ring, he's incredible. When he's promo, like he's just he's he, he just draws you in so entirely. You just got to keep him on the defense all the time, or on the offense. Never on the defense. Never on the defense. Just keep him on the offense all the time. MVP does the talking. You got a million bucks right there. Uh, the Edge AJ match. Um, you know, some people are are some people think, eh, but Damian Priest was banned from ringside, but he went to the ring. He was in the ring. I mean, look, clearly, he came to the ring. He drew the line so that people realize that the aisle way is not ringside. And you go, of course, the aisle way is ringside. Oh, really? What side of the ring is it then? No side of the ring. It's the aisle way. It's different. Finn Balor pushed him ringside. I think the referee used their own discretion to say, well, he was forced onto ringside. That's not quite the same as 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 wandering up there. All that said, of course, two headlines here. The uh, one headline is that Edge versus AJ Styles 2 was better than Edge versus AJ Styles 1. I loved the match. I love what Edge is doing. I love the aggressiveness. I love the aggression. Edge just thinks. He thinks so much about how he's working and how he's pulling off the moves that he's doing and 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 what they mean and everything. I just, I love Edge. AJ, amazing, amazing too. I could watch these guys go uh, pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view. But of course, Rhea Ripley joining Judgment Day was the major, major headline of this match. Um, I think it pleased people. I think that it is going to get a lot more people interested in Judgment Day. I think that it is really good for Rhea Ripley because I just, I, I don't, I think that that she was just in this place where people loved her. And there was some attention on her, but it just wasn't the right attention. It was like, what are, what are we doing here with Rhea? And I think now we know what we're doing with Rhea, and I think it's good. I really, really like it. So uh, I enjoyed that, uh, and I enjoyed that twist. I also think this is uh, incredibly interesting to me, that you go Edge, Damian Priest, Finn Balor, AJ Styles. When Edge was cutting his promo before WrestleMania, and he was dropping references to all the different wrestlers, to who it could be. He did mention Cody. He did make a reference to Cody. But here are the other wrestlers that he mentioned in that WrestleMania promo. AJ Styles, Damian Priest, Finn Balor. He said phenomenal. He said live forever. He said demon. Somehow, not only... Was he mentioning the people that he's in the faction with, but he's mentioning his direct opponents as well? It's incredible. I don't know if this is all coincidence or what it is, but I, I blew my mind when I realized that all of the male superstars in this story were part of that promo that was the beginning of what brought us here. In terms of where this goes, like, you know, I, I think uh, hopefully almost and Lashley are done. 
Lashley moves on to something else and almost just starts, you know, wrestling matches where he's always on the offense. I think Cody and Seth should be done. Like I said, we find out what Cody, you know, we start telling the story of Cody. I don't think this one's done. I think that this one goes to hell in a cell. For me, I don't think it will happen. I don't, I am, am not at all against intergender wrestling. In fact, I'm pro intergender wrestling when the story makes sense and it's with the right participants. I wish that Rhea Ripley did have the opportunity. Like I would love to see Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley versus Finn Balor and AJ Styles with Edge as the manager. I think that would be awesome. I don't think we'll ever see that. However, I do think with all the interference and everything that it would make a lot of sense to culminate this rivalry inside a Hell in a Cell. And if you want to get people excited, I don't think the match is Edge versus AJ Styles inside the Hell in a Cell. I think it's Edge and Damian Priest versus AJ Styles and Finn Balor inside the Hell in a Cell. It gives Rhea Ripley the opportunity to be on the outside. And it's just, I mean, it's a dream match. Are you kidding me? Edge and Damian Priest versus Finn Balor and AJ Styles. That as a tag match alone is amazing. Inside Hell in a Cell. Ah, say magnifique. Ronda versus Charlotte just tore each other up. Ronda versus Charlotte was everything you want an I Quit match to be. Not a submission match, an I Quit match. I'll tell you, it's the only thing I would have changed about that match. I would have told those dopey fans in Rhode Island to stop asking for tables. There was no reason to ask for tables in the moments that you fools were asking for tables. It was just amazing wrestling, great stuff in the match, kendo sticks, Submission holes, arm bars, everything you could possibly want. Charlotte was getting welts laid across her back. You see when she took the two kendo sticks and she swung them at Ronda and Ronda blocked them and she grabbed the two sticks and Charlotte went, oh shit. And every and, and there are fans in Rhode Island chanting, we want tables. What do you want them for? You got everything you need right there in front of you. You don't need tables. So I wish they hadn't chanted that. But I thought this match was great. Uh... Story was right there. Uh, Ronda won in a way that I, I I felt like no contest, including the Royal Rumble. This is by far the most meaningful victory that she's had since returning to the WWE. I don't think that her return to the WWE has worked, you know, from the last, you know, five months now, four months, say, because Royal Rumble was end of January. So four months, four and a half months. Um, I don't think Ronda has clicked with the fans the way the WWE wanted her to. Uh, I think she did last night. I think that by the end of that match, the fans were completely on board with Ronda and with Ronda being champion. Uh, so hopefully that maintains because I thought Ronda did excellent. I thought Charlotte did excellent. I, and, you know, I guess uh, Charlotte's going away for a while. They did a, an angle where Charlotte got her arm broke. Um and so I guess Ronda moves on. Now, who does Ronda move on to? Maybe Bailey comes back. You know, I, I would say Sasha Banks is a contender, but I think she and Naomi are sticking together for a while, it seems like. So I don't know. Bailey might be a good one, though, to come back and 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 be a part of this thing, you know? I don't know if if you do it at Hell in a Cell or if you wait and have Bailey come back and be the person who tries to defeat Ronda Rousey at the stadium at Money in the Bank. I don't know. But 
you know, but I think it's it's the right move. Mayhem Moss versus uh, Happy Corbin. I think I saw I saw blips moments of really really intriguing stuff in Madcap Moss. I think Madcap Moss has a ton of potential, incredible upside. I think that when when he gets those jolts of speed and those jolts of intensity, I think it's really something to behold. I think Madcap Moss is great. I think he's got it all. He's got to lose some of it, specifically the shorts and suspenders and boat shoes or whatever the hell he's wearing. Madcap Moss needs a makeover. I think he needs a new name, and I think he needs a makeover. I don't think this, and it's not just the suspenders, right? The little schoolboy shorts, those ridiculous shoes he's got on. Madcap Moss needs some wrestling gear. We need to find some good wrestling gear for Madcap Moss. The guy looks like he's chiseled out of granite. So it shouldn't be difficult to find him something flattering to wear. But I don't think you're going to get fans, no matter how good they are, cheering for a person who wears little short shorts, schoolboy boots, and makes bad jokes. No more jokes. No more street clothes that nobody on the street would ever wear. Let's get into wrestling gear and tell your story, Madcap. Tell your story. By the way, before I get to Bloodline, speaking of telling your story, how weird was that Lacey Evans thing on SmackDown? I mean, she's a heel, I guess, right? Like, I think they're going for the Kurt Angle type of heel. It's just the audience wasn't in on it at all. Her vignettes have been so sympathetic that the audience was ready to cheer for her. But the ring announcer saying to stand up, Lacey Evans wants you to stand up and pay her the proper respect. That's the most heel, bad guy, villainous ring introduction I've ever heard in my entire life. So I guess that's where they're going with that. And then finally, we talked about it a little bit, the Bloodline versus uh, RK Bro and Drew McIntyre. Uh, there were a couple of things for me of note in this match. Number one, just the massive star power. You know, looking at this pay-per-view, it's like this match, the six people in that ring were incredibly big stars. There's a lot of star power amongst all six guys. Cody versus Seth start like, felt like a lot of star power in that match. Edge and AJ, like there's a there's a lot of 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 star power being built. Uh, I thought the right thing happened. Obviously, I talked about it at the beginning of the show, but yeah, I mean, I I thought that I thought that there's no way that Roman can get pinned. Uh, I love a pay per view that ends with the bloodline on top. I do think the one probably the most intriguing moment of the match was Roman Reigns eating the RKO. Because I think that Randy Orton as a good guy might be Roman Reigns' most compelling opponent on the modern roster. So the fact that he ate the RKO is, I think, not immediately, but foreshadowing what's to come. And I loved that. Um, also, I do think when we think about what's going on next with Cody and all that, I do think we're going to get uh, some returns for this summer. I, I I think we're going to get some star power injected into the show this summer. I would not be at all surprised. My pick, I think this summer you've got Cody Rhodes versus John Cena. I think before Cody gets to summer, I mean, before Cody gets to WrestleMania, I think Cody versus John Cena is something that we're going to see uh, on premium live events over the summer. 
That's just my prediction. Hey, I wanted to start uh, opening up the uh, Not Sam Wrestling mailbox. You know, I always plug notsamwrestling at gmail.com when I do kind of my concept shows. And I feel like I don't read the emails enough and it discourages people from even sending them. So I did see, you know, I did the draft last week. If you didn't listen last week, go back and listen because I had a blast putting the draft together. Um, and I saw some people put their own rosters together. I got them in my email and stuff like that. I love seeing that. I love seeing all the creativity. Um, it says, uh, but this email came in from Jim. And he says, hi, Sam. I listened to your entire list of draft picks. And being a wrestling fan myself for over 35 years, I largely agree with the roster. Amazing. I do have one question for you. You did not put Cody Rhodes on any part of your list, nor did you mention him when you were talking about people you wanted to add but didn't have enough slots. I'm curious as to why he would not even be in the conversations. Thanks, Jim. That's a great question. And look, I mean, I guess I I, I, I think because the only place I would put Cody would be in the main event. And I only had five slots for male main eventers. And, you know, I could have put him in instead of Kevin Owens. But I wanted that Kevin Owens spirit. You know, looking back at the list now, I could easily replace Kevin Owens and put in Cody. But then I'd have to find a new place for Kevin Owens. I don't know. It's just one of those things. It it certainly wasn't deliberate. I think just in the moment, I said, okay, we're going to have to lose some people in that top, top tier because I don't want Cody around if he's not a main eventer. You know, there are certain talents that you're just like, if you're not going to use them for all that they're worth, don't use them. Um, So that was my thinking with Cody. But it's a good question. I'm glad you brought it to the table because Cody definitely deserved to be mentioned. Uh, if you want to interact with the show at all, email notsamwrestling at gmail.com. And uh, if, it's a, if it's an email that contributes to the show, maybe I'll read it on the air. Uh, you can also uh, communicate with us every day via Patreon. Our Discord is open for everybody. Um, of course, it is uh, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, where you can become a Not Sam shill. I appreciate you. We'll see you next week here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.